Well, hello, church family. Welcome back to another edition of the post-sermon wrap-up podcast. It's been two weeks since we have last uh, been together, and so we thought we would make this twice as nice today, and we've invited not one, but two pastors to join us uh, for this podcast. So we have Pastor Tyson Smith here and Pastor Kevin Souter. Hello, church. They uh, have helped us kind of wrap up these last two weeks, this longest sentence in the New Testament. Um, and so we've invited them to both kind of share and kind of break down a little bit uh, more from their sermons over the last couple of weeks. And so we're going to process a little bit more together and try to really sum up everything that we've done over these last several weeks as we've kicked off our new series here in the book of Ephesians. So Tyson, I'm going to start with you as we think back on your passage back from Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 through 12. You really focused on the work of God the Son in our salvation. And one of the things that you drew out that was really helpful is this idea of the role of Christ in kind of unifying all things. You know, when we look mm. at the book of Ephesians, a big theme is unity, but it's not just the the unity of men and women to one another. It's not just right. the unity of Jew and Gentile or even God and man, but it, it's, it's really a summation of all things. So I was wondering if you could just flesh it out a little bit more as you talked about what it means that Christ is here to unite all things in him. Yeah, certainly... Paul in chapter 3 of Ephesians talks more about the mystery of the unity we have as a church, Jew and Gentile, and that's, that's a part of this, but definitely in chapter 1, it's a much grander scale when he says, uh, all things hmm. in him, things, and then just to further clarify, says things in heaven and things on earth, just in case you didn't get the all. Tell me, everything that's in heaven <laughs> yeah. and everything that's in earth. Yes. So everything spiritual, united. everything physical. Oh, um, so awesome. And so it's just, it's a reminder that um, it, it really is a, a self-abasing truth in that it reminds us that we aren't created for ourselves. Yeah. We are created for Christ. We're created for his glory. And Colossians chapter 1 really brings that out even more. Um, and it, a different, it kind of describes it just a little bit differently. Um, but it's the same truth. In chapter 1, speaking of Jesus, it says in um, verse 16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Okay, there's that phrase again. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. For him. Look at that, yeah. And so it's just the reminder that the goal of, of all history, but also you could say all of creation, I mean creation mm -hmm. is part of history, um, all these things are created for Christ's glory. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, Paul says is a mystery um, because it was hidden and just slowly um, uh What's the word? Alluded to over time. We have like a progress of revelation throughout scripture, but it wasn't ever fully understood until Jesus arrived. Um, so, you know, if you go all the way back to Genesis, you have an allusion to Jesus where God promises in Genesis 3.15 to Adam and Eve that from the seed of the woman will come one who will crush the head of the serpent. Mm -hmm. But there's no way the Old Testament saint 
could have understood that that was Jesus. Right. It was hidden, mm -hmm. but it was alluded to. And now that w Jesus has come, now, you know, I use the illustration of that Polaroid picture yeah. that Scott, you, you gave to me. Mm -hmm. And now that that Polaroid picture is fully developed, we can look, go back to the Old Testament and go like, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that's pointing to Jesus. Yeah. But the Old Testament saint couldn't have done that. Right. Um, but they were still saved in believing in what God had revealed to them at the time. Mm. Uh, so there was something they lost, you know, the scriptures tell us that mm. they longed to understand. They longed to see that picture fully developed. And we have the blessing of being able to look backwards mm. and see it. And what, you know, I think it leads to the question. This sounds kind of abstract in the sense of like, well, how is that a spiritual blessing for us to know that? Mm. To know mm -hmm. that all things are summed up in Jesus. All things are created for his glory and he's going to bring all things together well, i think mm -hmm. it's a gives us a perspective of hope mm -hmm. in the midst of all the suffering we see in the world you know ever since sin entered everything of creation has been cursed mm -hmm. but yet jesus is going to redeem mm -hmm. all of creation romans chapter 8 uh, tells us that, that not only do believers long for jesus to return but even creation, creation. Yeah. it groans <clears throat> for the return of christ where he'll mm -hmm. make all things right again you'll make what is crooked straight mm -hmm. again um so there's some hope there um and so you know on a practical level uh we're awaiting christ's mm -hmm. second return where that will be finally fully fulfilled yeah. we know the plan mm -hmm. yeah. but the plan hasn't been fulfilled fully yet mm -hmm. and so it's like if someone were talking to me and sharing with me some of their sufferings whether it's a loss of a loved one or going through a real chronic illness or something like that i would ask them if jesus were to come back tonight would you be able to endure hmm. and i think most believers would just without a hesitation would say yeah absolutely i could yeah. i can wait yeah right yeah you're gonna make it's, it all right it's all gonna it, be it makes right. the pain yeah let you know less powerful because yeah. mm -hmm. you have that right perspective i said like, well, what about if it's not tonight but tomorrow hmm. yeah i could wait yeah. but at the end of the month yeah 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 i could wait at the end of the year and so it's just kind of the idea we don't mm -hmm. know when christ is going to return but at the same mm -hmm. time it's imminent yeah it's all we live in the sense we mm -hmm. should as christians be living in a sense of imminency of christ's return and that gives us perspective the kind of perspective where mm -hmm. like Paul says in Romans chapter 5, mm. he says, um, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, mm -hmm. and character produces hope. Yes. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And so we, we have this hope in God. And it gives us a perspective that suffering in life, mm -hmm. uh, you go to Second Corinthians chapter 4 too, like it's, uh, uh, we have an eternal weight of glory waiting for, uh, for us mm -hmm. that makes pain and suffering seem very uh, mm -hmm. small and light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about, Tyson, since you preached through this passage and, and uh, I told you, you know, verse 10 just kind of stuck in my head and I've just been thinking about what does this mean a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Mm -hmm. And the, the image that I've kind of grabbed hold of is the wedding. Mm. I just keep thinking about 
this from this perspective of marriage. Mm -hmm. After all, marriage is where two become one. Mm -hmm. Two separate, distinct man and a white, a man and a woman from two different families, two different backgrounds, two different upbringings, and God makes them one. Mm -hmm. And that's an imperfect picture of this perfect oneness that that believers, the church, have with Jesus, according to Ephesians 5, forever. Mm -hmm. And so I just, this whole picture of marriage. And then when I got to my passage and we talked about the Holy Spirit's like the engagement ring, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, this is really, really cool. Just to think about like, we are the bride of Christ and not just us, but all of creation is going to be wed to Jesus in this beautiful oneness mm -hmm where mm -hmm. all things are going to be reconciled. And Colossians 1 goes on to say, and it was through the blood of his cross. Like mm -hmm. this is because of his sacrifice. Mm -hmm. There's no oneness with God apart from atonement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's just a glorious, mm -hmm. glorious picture. Yeah. that You guys really even hit on just that idea of how that produces a hope, right? And this is not like a wishful thinking hope, but it's a hope that we know because Scripture has revealed yeah. it to yeah. us. It makes me think of, you know, when we watch, you know, kid movies uh, with our girls and, you know, there's some type of villain or bad guy in it and, you know, <laughs> the girls start to get nervous and start to close their eyes and the reminder I can always say, like, the good guy, we know the good guy will win, right? <laughs> we, we, know, we know the outcome is secure and yet sometimes we live in our, our, our world today as if we don't know what the outcome's going to be right, right. and we live as if we don't have hope but... The cool thing about scripture is God has given us everything to know that right. he wins in the right. end. That even though it's messy and it doesn't look always clean in the way that we would want it to be, it's not the time for that right. yet. The time is coming when he will unite all things. He will make all things right. He will make all things one. But that has to come in its appropriate timing here. But he's given everything we need to hope and to live steadfastly until that time comes. Yes. Now, both of you in your text, uh, had a, uh, a phrase that was brought up about Christians being, uh, preserved as an inheritance. I would love to just flesh that idea out more. It's actually going to appear in our text this coming Sunday as well. So yes, chapter one is a, a big chapter about the glorious inheritance of the saints. So what exactly uh, are we talking about here? What is uh, our inheritance that is stored up uh, for us? Is it about us? Is it about God? What, 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 do we, what is this inheritance here? Because we think about inheritance in our, our culture, and we think about, well, what's mom and dad, what's grandma and grandpa, what are they going to leave me after they die? Right, what, what is right. this inheritance that is stored up okay, for us? Be okay, be a probate attorney here, Tyson. Uh, lay out the will. What's, <laughs> what's, uh, what's the inheritance? Yeah, I think, you know, there's... there's um, Two two interpretations of it, yeah, and I think both interpretations are biblically and theologically correct, yeah. but only one of them is correct in this text. So that would be um, one idea is that we are the inheritance of God, and that we are His possession. Yeah, and that's a sweet truth. We see it all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, Israel was God's chosen possession. Mm -hmm. uh, you go to First uh, Peter chapter two to see we are God's chosen people as possession um, called out of darkness into his marvelous light um, but I don't think that's the interpretation of, of at least the 7 through 12 and you know or 7 through 14 I think that's talking about the inheritance that we receive 
which seems to flow with the context as well as is listing these spiritual blessings that we've been given. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be kind of weird to say, here's a bunch of spiritual blessings, um, and you got this, you've been redeemed, you've been this, you've been this, but you are also God's chosen possession. It, it, it makes sense biblically, but not quite in the context mm-hmm. here. So I think there's a already but not yet aspect to the inheritance. There's a, I think immediately when we think of inheritance, we automatically, in an earthly sense, think of something future. You know, when yep. we receive upon the, the, you know, when our parents pass away or something like that, that they leave behind for us. And so there is, it is good to think that way about this as well. There's a future aspect to this that we haven't gotten. And immediately, usually our minds run to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. Um, the inheritance of, of being in heaven um, ha- experiencing eternal life in the fullness um, f- living forever um, in a glorified state uh, where we will have no more pain as Revelation chapter 20 talks about no more pain, no more suffering no more sin hmm. where we get to be actually with Jesus you know in the, in be careful how we talk about that because Jesus is with us now. Right we, at the end of Matthew twenty-eight, he's like, "I'm with you always." Yeah, mm-hmm. he's in us, dwelling in us. But there's a difference of we're actually being in his uh, presence in heaven, unhindered, yeah. being able to see him yeah. as he is, yeah. um, being with God the Father mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit. Um, there's just something really sweet about mm-hmm. that, and I think when we often think about heaven, I hope as Christians, our first thought is actually about being with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't want to be with Jesus, then you're not going to want to be in heaven. Because yeah. that's what that's <laughs> the best part about being in heaven. Yeah. Like the no pain, the, and the, no, <laughs> the no pain, the no suffering, uh, you know, all that is good. But the best part is Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And getting to be with him. Um, and so those are, those are some uh, realities and blessings that are yet to be mm-hmm. fulfilled and fully realized. I I love that. I love, love, love this last comment that you're making about that God himself is the gospel. God himself is our inheritance. Like, that we will be his people and he will be our God. Like, there's just, there's nothing greater. I was talking to one of our sisters here at Newcastle last week, and she's nearing death. And she she was just delighting her body's very very weak but her spirit is so strong right now Mm. and she was delighting in how good god has been to her she just on the phone she just kept telling me pastor i I just have so many reasons to be thankful you know and i mean her voice was weak and 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 her body's very very weak but she just was overflowing in gratitude and she says you know sometimes she says i i i want to go to heaven so bad because the pain, and then I have to repent because I'm like, no, I don't want to go to heaven just because I'm free of pain. I want to go to heaven because that's where my Lord is. That's mm-hmm. where Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And then she was saying how you know, she's so excited to meet some of the saints who have gone on before her husband, and, and, uh, and she was dear friends with Artie Summers, and she just can't wait to see Artie again. But she says, but then I have to repent. I realize, no, 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 my first look is going to be to Jesus because Jesus is my Lord. It was just such a tender, mm-hmm. dear conversation with somebody I love very, very much. Mm-hmm. And just to see her longing and her yearning for her inheritance. Mm-hmm. She never once said Golden Streets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she says, my inheritance is Jesus like I'm going to become one 
forever with God. Yeah. That is just staggering to me. And I just, it's kind of captivated my attention these last mm -hmm. couple weeks. That's really good. Yeah, you'd love seeing just that processing, you know, and that's good and right and appropriate. So, Oh, it's so tender. Now, there's been a lot of processing as we've looked at these last three sermons. You know, again, a reminder that, you know, verses 3 through 14, this is one big, long sentence. Paul just going on and on about the glorious nature of, of God, the triune God and salvation here. But it has caused us to wrestle a little bit with some paradoxes, right? So mm. uh, when we think about paradoxes, we think about things that on the surface look like they're contradictory, and yet they are, according to the Bible, still complementary of right. each other. And right. so, you know, we've seen uh, throughout even a text like this where we see God's sovereignty, his you know, control and his power of salvation. And then yet we see, you know, in verses like verse 13, when you heard the word of truth and you believed, right? Right. right. And so we, we hold these two things. Well, God is the one who is bringing salvation, and yet it looks like we're the ones who believe there. And even, Kevin, you talked about this week from, you know, your passage, this, this idea of how the Holy Spirit is our seal, is kind of our, our security. It, it holds us. And yet then we also see in Scripture passages where it seems like, well, there's warnings about, hey, don't do this, don't otherwise you're going to lose it. Yeah, like, don't, right. don't forfeit what's been given to you. And so for a lot of Christians, it's a matter of, we kind of almost throw up our hands. We're like, so which is it? <laughs> so can, can the two of you just keep help reading, us? Keep reading, yeah, keep reading, keep reading. The two of you just minister to our people, just shepherd and help us understand how do we wrestle with these types of what seem like paradoxes in scripture and yet how can we have peace and hope with what the gospel is saying? Yeah. Tyson, you want to, you want to go? Do you want me to go? <laughs> should we, should we do rock, paper, scissors here? <laughs> See who's, who's going to answer this? Oh, I'm, I'm, I trust we're in the same vein. So I, I'll let you go and I'll just joyfully jump on. Okay. You, you, uh, you, you pull and push with me here, but I, I just think this is such a uh, part of the Christian life is that we acknowledge that we are not God. And that God is incomprehensible in all of his glory. And yet he has revealed to us exactly what we need to know through his word so that we can know him and love him. But there's some mysteries. There's Deuteronomy 29, 29 secrets. There's kind of these things that we don't, that God hasn't revealed. So the question is, what has God revealed? And for sure, there's these seeming paradoxes in scriptures uh, that you've, you've mentioned. And I guess my encouragement to us as God's people would be, read this text and understand that the text rightly understood in its context that scripture has one author, one divine author, and how many human authors? I forget the number off the top of my head, but all these different human authors, but because it has one divine author, that no scripture properly understood in its context will ever contradict other scripture. Mm -hmm. So therefore, where we seem to see a contradiction, we have to say either we don't fully understand it properly, or we're um, we're just we don't have 
the divine understanding yet. Mm. But Scripture is true, so we, we must take it as it is revealed. So, the warning passages of Scripture, and many of them are found in Hebrews. Hebrews has many, many warning passages mm-hmm. for believers. Don't fall away, you know. Don't uh, forfeit your salvation. Um, those warning passages are legitimate warning passages that we need to take honestly and seriously and say, yeah, I need to read that and say, okay, Lord, I don't want to fall away. I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to lose my salvation in that way. Now, I'm going to take that very, very seriously. But then there's other passages that are very, very clear that those who are truly saved and born again by God's spirit will never fall away. They're held safe in God's arm. And so that I also believe that as well. They seem to be in contradiction, but in many ways, and we saw that here, we've had, you know, some of us have been really wrestling with the, the, the questions of God's election in verses four and five and six and predestination. And well, how does that, how does God's choice and man's choice, mm-hmm. how are they compatible? We may never understand that fully, but the scripture is very clear. Mm-hmm. Every person is responsible to make a choice for salvation. Mm-hmm. We are responsible. But the scripture is also clear because of our sin, no one will choose God unless the Father first draws him to himself. Mm-hmm. And so we hold both to be true. They are apparent contradictions because we don't see as God sees, but they are revealed from God, and therefore they are both true. Mm-hmm. And we live accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna get on a soapbox for a second. It's my okay. Favorite soapbox. It's my favorite horse to ride. <laughs> What's uh, the name of your pony? It's Champ. That's the name. <laughs> so there's, you know, we talk about the, the this tension we have between man's responsibility and God's sovereignty is not the only place we have tension right. in the Bible. And so there's a lot of things in Scripture that we're wi- walking a tightrope. And if you have that image in your head of somebody walking a tightrope, they usually have that pole that they're mm-hmm. holding to help balance them. And God's Word is that pole. And when we approach God's Word, we have to have a high view of it, which means that we come and approach the text of God's Word saying, whatever this says, I'm going to submit to it mm-hmm. and believe it. And part of that humility, you have to come to the table recognizing that I'm a fallen human yeah even even when i'm saved i'm still you know i still have flesh i wrestle with i'm still finite in my understanding i'm I'm weak and i need god's help to understand yeah and so i come to the table with certain presuppositions pre-understandings of what i think and i need to uh be uh, able to humble to say i need to let god's word inform me what i should Mm -hmm. think uh, so in one way you could say it as like, I need to have a um, God-centered uh, way of studying the Bible, not a man-centered. I need to reason God down and not man up mm-hmm. from, from my perspective up as opposed from God's perspective down. Yeah. And so there's, there's always that wrestling. We have to make sure, am I looking at this from a human perspective or am I looking at this from God's perspective? Yep. Sometimes scripture looks at it from both ways. Um, because God condescends to us so that we can understand things, and yeah. sometimes He speaks to us in His Word from a human perspective, 
But then, then in the next mm. breath talks about it from a God perspective. Right. And so that's sometimes where the tension comes. But I said there's tension all over the Bible. So it's like not just in election, you know, sovereignty and man's responsibility, but the Trinity. Yes. Is God one being or three persons? Right. It's like, yes. <laughs> or Jesus is deity and humanity. Is Jesus 100% God or is he 100% man? Yes, yes. He's, he's both, and yes. it's like, well, how can that be in those in those things? It's like, well, Scripture presents both, right? And so we have to walk that tightrope. And our natural inclination as humans is not to want to. We don't like tension because it requires work, and it requires mm -hmm. you know, think about trying to balance on anything just with your legs and muscles. It kind of makes things ache, and you know, <laughs> you feel stiff. So we have to hold these things in humble tension at times. Um, but it's a glorious thing. It's just it reminds us of our small brains. It humbles and our, us. So, yeah, yeah, humbles us yeah. and, and yeah. how amazing God is. Sanctification is another area of tension where, you know, like Philippians 2 says, uh, Paul commands us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean, like, figure your salvation out or work it out yourself to earn it. Mm -hmm. He's saying work outward what has already been made a reality in your heart. So he's calling us to obey. So work it out with fear and trembling. And then the next very breath, he says, for it's God who works in you, yes. both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So it's like, well, what is it, Paul? Do I need to do it or is God in me doing it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just that tension there. That's It's a wonderful blessing. Like it, yeah. it doesn't make me go walk away from the Bible going, oh, this is just too hard. It's like, all right, yeah, I'm, I need to strive to obey the Lord, but man, I can't do it apart from him. Yeah, you know, apart Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right. Uh, we we are part of the vine. We have to be a part of Jesus's vine to produce fruit. So this, this is just a, a sovereignty and man's responsibility is not the only area in the Bible that requires just a, a humble, careful balance act of looking at God's word and saying, okay, it says it says God's sovereign here, and it says that I'm responsible for my choices here. That's I will hold those both together. Right. Yeah, because the only other option is that we start to dismiss or mm -hmm. um, discard certain portions of Scripture that we can't reconcile. And so even last night I was reading, uh, you know, about those who would just refuse to read Romans chapter 9 because it seems so offensive to mm -hmm. their understanding of who God is. And, and, and we just must not allow our hearts to ever get to that place where it's like, well, I don't know what that means, but it can't mean what it seems to say it means because that's not what I believe. <laughs> we, we can't allow our hearts. We must say, I believe what God has revealed to me. And I'm going to trust that God's spirit is going to illuminate my understanding as I humbly call out. This is the only book that I can read that every time I read it, the author is sitting with me to help me understand what he meant. So let me pray and let me call upon the God of glory to say, show me what you, what you want me to know mm -hmm. from your word. And in so doing, we are spiritually blessed. Mm -hmm. We are enlightened. The eyes of our heart are enlightened. And that's where we're going next Sunday, mm -hmm. right? We're praying for God to show us that we could know who mm -hmm. God is. So... This is kind of a sweet, sweet thing. I'm thrilled that we're studying this, yeah. and I hope that our church family is enjoying walking alongside us as we go. It's been a grand entrance into uh, into the book of Ephesians. I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of theology, a lot of territory <laughs> in just a few short weeks. We're going to kind of bring some practical application to it here this week with 
looking at kind of Paul's response to this, right? So, you know, as he reflects on these things, it's, you know, the only appropriate response is worship. It's, yes. it's praise, it's thanksgiving, and it's prayer. And so excited to see Wonderful. how it kind of solidifies in our hearts and drives us to a greater dependence and worship of God together uh, this week. So thank you both for making the time to sit down this week. A little bit longer episode, but a good chance to play some catch Double up the here blessing. Double, <laughs> double spiritual blessing for you today. So <laughs> nah, it's a pleasure, church. We love doing this. Thankful for you. And we'll look forward to joining you again next week.